today we're following up on Shannon's conversation with her friend Claire in part three of our discussion about anti-racism and white allies. So Toronto, I was so excited about getting, uh, being able to sit with my friend Claire and have this discussion with her specifically. And I really can't wait to hear your thoughts about it. You've met her before, but specifically talking about this subject, what are your initial thoughts? Well, the first time that you told me about Claire, I was so interested in her Mm -hmm. based on what you said around her activism, Mm -hmm. around racial reconciliation and understanding. Uh, I have some pretty amazing friends who are allies, I shall say, but I had never heard of a white person, quite frankly, doing the work like she has. Not just work on herself, but work to understand and to study I feel like there's so many amazing books out right now that people are reading and so many lists going around about Black Lives Matter. And I feel like this is maybe a time when people are picking books like Cast Up mm-hmm. because of those lists. Um, but Claire was there before. And I was so inspired by when you see someone has a purpose in life, it just shines through. She's so passionate. And um, I was so it, your your conversation was illuminating to me. Yeah, I one part, um, yeah, she's, I'm so thankful for her for one. Um, just like our friendship, of course. Um, I, you know, obviously we talked a little bit about the, the history of be the bridge and, um, you know, I, I think it's, it, I invite everyone to that conversation, but it might not be for everyone might not be ready or at the same spot when you're, you're coming into the conversation, obviously, We've had this kind of um, be the bridge (laughs) our whole lives because we're immersed in our biracial upbringing. Reconciliation being the middle ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Can you just give, just for people who are not familiar with Be the Bridge, which I recommended during the wake of George Floyd to so many people, even not being a member myself, but wanting to, aspiring member. Can you just explain to people what Be the Bridge is? Yeah, so Latasha Morrison started Be the Bridge um, really out of her own experience with being a Black woman in a lot of white Christian spaces and um, just really boldly answered the call of God in her life to say, I'm going to do this work. And I mean, so courageously went forward and did that and said, I'm going to be this black woman calling out a lot of people (laughs) gently. She does it very gently and lovingly, but calling a lot of out, a lot of people specifically in the church on their um, segregation, their racism, quite frankly, but also I'm going to do it in a loving way that's going to be building bridges. And so Be the Bridge was spearheaded from there. Now she uses racial reconciliation. A lot of people say, well, you can't reconcile something that was never, that was broken from the start, you know, like that was never um, unified from the start. So, but it's, the conversation had to start somewhere. And, you know, there's other crusaders out there like Lisa Sharon Harper, who I love and has been on a pilgrimage for like decades of doing this work. Um, There's many, many Black women specifically that have been doing work like this for a long time. Um, Latasha 
specifically, I think, you know, she was, she was doing it before we saw 2020 happen, obviously. Um, and the timeline I've I discussed before was, you know, 2016 was, you know, we're seeing this hap the, the election with Trump and it was like, all of a sudden we realized we're not in post-racial Obama land, <laughs> you know, we're, we're having to deal with this and, and the church is complicit in dealing with this, in not dealing with it, basically. Um, so anyways, I just really remember being so thankful that she was being bold enough to like have this conversation because I felt, especially as Christians, you know, we need to be the bold ones having this conversation. We should be leading that part of it. Um, and it is, you know, we've heard so many times, even Dr. Martin Luther King has talked about Sunday morning being the most segregated time um, of the week, you know, and why is that? And I, and you, and to some degree, I know we've talked about our childhoods, but specifically with my his my family history, having my grandfather, who's a pastor, um, and, and being raised in a Christian faith my whole life, saw firsthand all the time within my family, um, every holiday, every Sunday, every um, decision we made as far as what church we were going to attend, how segregated it was and why. I remember being like thinking about this as a little girl. Why is it so divided? Why are we the only black family at this white church? Why, are, why is it when we go to a black church, my mom's the only white person at you know that church? Now, I've come to understand the black church was built out of survival. The black church um, was a necessity for black people. The black church saved black people. <laughs> um, and, yeah. but the white church was not built from a loving place, unfortunately. To say that out loud about Christians and about my family is hard. That was one of the biggest takeaways that sat with me with your conversation with Claire when she said the trauma of coming out of um, a Christian upbringing, knowing that that culture and the church is part of the problem. Yes. And how different that institutionalism is from Jesus. Yes. And the trauma of how painful that is that you subscribed or something, or something that's in such a huge part of your life, your faith, at least right. the way that faith has been lived out in this country and many others, has made, as Claire said, white supremacy righteous. Right. I was like, whoa. I know. <laughs> whoa. And I have to say, you know, even going through this past year and this summer when everything was going on, I don't think I ever heard from my own pastor who I really support and really enjoy our church. I just don't feel like I heard, I heard a lot of dancing mm -hmm. and a lot of um, talk that quite frankly was really careful and not just passionate loving that Jesus stood for mm -hmm. meeting people where they are in their pain and saying, we're going to, we're going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. It's a really hard conversation, but I think you and that's, I think what is most eye-opening about your conversation with Claire is how you all reconcile your faith 
and this need to do racial reconciliation ministry. Mm -hmm. It's not only ministering to others, it's ministering to the church itself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So that's one of the biggest things I took away from your conversation. So yeah, it's like, what is it about, to what lengths do you need to go as a white Christian to avoid this conversation? Why? Why would you avoid it? I mean, if Jesus is about loving people for who they are, where they are, that's what is so interesting to me. And that's when I go back to the part of conversation when um, we she talked about delusion. That's all I <laughs> Claire talked about delusion and the extent to which people, you know, we were talking about anti-racism. The opposite of anti-racism is delusion, like constructing false narratives in order to keep white supremacy going in order to Mm -hmm. avoid having to disband and dispel racism. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's, it's sad because we're in these um, multiracial church spaces, Christian spaces, and it's, this is where the conversation should happen, can happen and we could see transformation happen and um and it's being avoided that's the that's the part that is so painful for me when i walk into a space an institution so to speak like that i it for me it's like thick in the air yeah like i can't even absorb yeah. what i should be there to do yeah. because i for me and this is how I feel like it's been living as a multiracial person. Um, even it's it's always blaring when it's you know you can see right through it. You can just see each one on either side of the aisle. Yes, at the time when we're supposed to be most most united, mm-hmm. like truly reconciled and united. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about there's two things. I was thinking about what you conveyed about having trauma experienced from your own family who did not intentionally mean to hurt you. Mm -hmm. They loved you, Mm -hmm. but just having to explain yourself or whatever, I thought it was a really powerful way that you put that. And then I realized I had the same trauma Mm. that my family would never, I would say, no, and I would never hurt you. I love you. Mm -hmm. But, and you know, I really, you know, you just carry that around. And so for the church to be the place where you seek comfort from anything in life mm-hmm. and peace. Mm-hmm. That's been my faith for me, not just in a racial perspective, but anything. Mm-hmm. It is so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and to think, sorry, I get a little emotional. Yeah. But to think that Christianity is the thing that also unites you with your family, that yes. you are on polar opposites when it comes to, you know, political stuff. Mm-hmm. and maybe even how you see race relations, but you believe in Jesus mm-hmm. and it's been the tradition of your family to believe right? and to love mm-hmm. like Christ, mm-hmm. that becomes a very, very hard thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just really interesting. Yeah. I mean, there was just so many layers to the decision-making of, um, you know, my family specifically in the past. It makes me think of, you know, I'll ask my mom questions. Well, why, why was the Lutheran church, you know, not integrating? I mean, there's 
this fascinating documentary. And it was filmed in 1966 about the Augustana Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. And this white pastor um, reaching out to the Negro, quote unquote, Lutherans in the city's north side. The film is called A Time for Burning. First of all, I was like, there's black Lutheran churches. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Okay. Equal, not equal. What? what just happened? Okay. And then, <laughs> that's my ignorance, I guess. That's but, the next documentary. Yeah. <laughs> but they, he was so graciously just saying, I'm not even saying that our churches need to integrate with each other. I'm just saying, can we have a meal with them? Um, they were not for it. Okay. They, they, <laughs> Let's just say they were not for it. <laughs> um, there was such pushback is what I want to say. There was such pushback to this. I mean, meeting after meeting after meeting of why we can't do it. And then even a woman breaking down, crying in hysterics about how she just cannot do it. And it. Oh, the fragility. <laughs> yes. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, first of all, yeah. you need the proximity, but then you need the agreement. You need the agreement and the want to. And, and why? Why can you not do it? Yeah. Are you scared? Yeah. Are you, you're scared of giving up your privilege of your, you're not scared of the people. That's the excuse. You're not scared of black people. Yeah. What are they going to do? These other Christians <laughs> going to do to you. You're, you don't want to be told you're wrong. Wow. You know, I mean, there's just so many levels to it. That's that frozen environment that you and I were talking about that prevents us from doing the conversation that you and Claire did. Mm -hmm. um, because like, you know, it, there's so much, so many layers to get through and then it involves a willingness. It involves, um, you know, to listen, to say, I'm sorry, to admit you're wrong. Mm -hmm. That's that deconstruction. Just to believe the other person in their own experience, that, that could be their truth. Right. It takes so much of that to even get down to the real issues. And that was so, what was so just like, I wanted to exhale when I was hearing you and Claire talk. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I'm finally hearing what it's like for someone on the other end of this as a white woman to confront these issues too. Like mm -hmm. it was so like, there's the layer. So meant so much of America needs to get to. And it was so, I was hanging on every word because of it. And I think that, um, that is also what Claire has been so powerful about really naming her privilege yeah, and coming out early on on that. Mm -hmm. And like, even that is just as like that to, I think that to some of the people I know would just be so radical. I was wondering what her family thinks of her. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to talk to her about that later, but I just thought there was so much of, Oh, and then to your point, I'm sorry if I can just go on into something else as a highlight for the audience that you talk about in that, in that conversation with Claire in that episode is lament mm -hmm. speaking of a whole, mm -hmm. Claire's, a whole chapter in the yes. Bible yes, <laughs> about lament. And mm -hmm. so I thought, wow, you know, yeah. why, what, what it's like this unraveling. I think that if I lament everything will unravel that I've ever known in my life. I don't under, yeah. If I admit 
yeah. that this is wrong and I'm part of the problem, not the solution. Yeah. I, it unravels me inside. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I guess it's, it's definitely to what degree your life has been um, intertwined with whiteness, so to speak. Because I think for people to even wrap their heads around the stake, this whiteness. The stake you have. Mm -hmm. in that I mean, there's genera generations before you and your family. It also made me think about um, that even before I knew how to articulate this. So, you know, growing up in a white church community, I remember in high school, I, I made the decision I want to go to the multi quote-unquote multiracial church down the street, right? And it's not multiracial. It had a couple sprinkles. <laughs> it's white leadership. It was that situation. But at the time, it was what was available where I felt like, okay, um, I'm not ascribing to just one or the other. I think as a biracial person, I always felt like, well, I can't choose just one culture over the other culture. Like it needs to all be together. But at, at that time, like I really was, I mean, I'm still ascribing to like a white culture, these multiracial churches that they claim to be, but backing up a step, like just being a teenager and saying to my parents, I'm going to go to this other church now, you know, mm -hmm. and the, what my parents did to allow that to just, to accept that and say, Okay, if that's what you feel you need to do for your faith, awesome. then you do that. And they supported. Um, they eventually made the move. But I know for my mom specifically, having grown up as a PK preacher's kid, you know, that was a big deal having to even then tell her mother that this is what's happening with the family. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah. but, uh, it does say something without actually having those specific conversations about, about this, it says something a little bit about faith and saying, okay, we're not, our faith isn't subscribed to a denomination or to a one right. way of thinking right. or to, you right. know, our faith is aligned right. with a relationship. Right. And I think that, with that Jesus. it's so interesting that I never thought about how being biracial affected how I see Jesus. <laughs> Oh, Sorry. I never even thought well, about that. Well, and that's what Be the I mean, Bridge is about. I thought about it as I want to hear. About, I thought about it as what church do I attend? Being biracial, but I've right. never thought about it and who am I as a person of faith? But yes. I operate like that in the world, just by because of how I don't know. I've chosen to make my way through the world is very uh, untethered yes. to institutions and right. just really living my experiences. God-given and then my relationship. Yeah. Um, sorry to. No, I mean, to. it's just, it's huge. It's as huge. a black person for one <laughs> and your relationship. Like, so Lisa Sharon Harper, Claire and I talk about this all the time, but Lisa Sharon Harper, who has been my adopted auntie pastor person, that's who I really, um, I feel like she's my mentor leader, spiritual leader unofficially un you know she doesn't yeah. even know who I am but I have followed her for a while now and really um trust her guidance and her word and her study and but she often talks about taking off the the filter of a white Jesus and looking and reading at the Bible the word of God through a lens of a black Jesus and how that changes 
everything, <laughs> everything. Um, wow. And it's amazing. I mean, he was poor. Okay. <laughs> he, he talks about doing he hung things. out with the people who would make some proper pastor's skin crawl. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he yeah. talked about doing living for and whatever you do for the least, the of, these, least of these and taking on the burdens of, for, of one another's burdens. Right. So that's another yeah, thing that's about be the bridge, be the bridge is that, you know, and as a Christian, we want to, we want to understand lament. We want to understand the pain that others are feeling and help them and sit with them in that pain and, and help them heal. Like, you know, and we know that through our relationship with Christ, we can heal. It is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, I feel that to some degree, and I feel like I'm still in this like discovery in, in myself, but I just feel it's to some degree that I, I understood that as a child. Like, and I think that had to yes. do very much yes. with my being biracial. <laughs> yes. It's so, it's so interwoven. And gosh, I was the person in my in my family who drug my family to church. It was the white Methodist church at first. And then it went to a more, and there were no sprinkles. It was Bellevue, Washington back then. But it <laughs> felt a little bit more lax and different or open because it was, um, it, it was non-denominational. Yeah. Um, not that the Methodist church is not open. Um, it is. It was a beautiful place. It's where I grew up. But I've been in method and point is I've been in Methodist churches and I've been in Pentecostal churches. Mm-hmm. One is from my mother's faith tradition. One is from my father's faith tradition. Yeah. And when you stand at that intersection and you can see 360 through all those experiences and traditions, that is a really powerful place to be. And it's what Claire talked about when she talked about in your conversation funerals oh my gosh yes i love that she is has she been to a black and a white funeral i oh, love yeah. this girl i mean so the way the expression goes down at a black funeral versus the way the expression of grief goes down at a home white going versus a funeral oh, for I one just, we're not even calling it a funeral we're calling it a home going and when you talk about anti-racism and how to live out anti-racism every day and that's the point this touches so many different parts of our interaction in life. You know, church. I watched the documentary on Tiger Woods, golf. Like there's yes. just so it, it seeps into the little microcosms of every little thing in our life. And so Yes, it does. I think what was Claire's answer? How do you because you asked her, how do you combat? How do you live out anti-racism yeah. every day? And mm-hmm. she was like, So many things. Oh, there's so much, you know. Yeah. And that's why I think at the end of the day, a lot of people don't do the work. It feels too overwhelming. Yeah. Because once you open up Pandora's box, so to speak, then you are analyzing every part of your life and all the, like if you're really assessing and taking a look, you see how it's touched every fabric of your life. Yes. And how much, how many layers there is to to another scripture. He who tries, or she, I should say, who tries to save her life will lose it. Mm. Right? Mm. Yes. So we're going back to the yeah. faith here. Yeah. What Jesus taught us to do mm-hmm. what he asked us to do, what scripture mm-hmm. says we need to do, mm-hmm. is to not hold so tightly to those things. Well, that and I lure us in this earth in these man made institutions. Right. Yes. And I will say that starting this podcast, and I feel like the push 
that was put on me, I feel like that it was, I was being nudged by the Holy Mm. Spirit to be bold and to start talking about this. I talked a little bit about being timid and feeling like I was going to offend somebody Mm -mm. almost my whole life. But when you realize you're doing something for something larger than you, then you aren't afraid. Then you are doing, you're walking boldly and you're answering the call and you, um, you know, just start peeling back any kind of layers. It can be racially or whatever, but it can be also like saying, well, I've always been an introvert or I've always been shy or I've always been, I've always had anxiety about these things. I can say that to about all three and use every excuse in the book to not want to step forward in something that I feel like I'm being pushed to do. Um, But at some point you have to stop making excuses and realize that if you're feeling that nudge, that it's time, you know, being scared of something is not a reason to not encounter um, or learn or learn or, unlearn. Right? or just say or maybe unlearn. there's something else I don't know here. Yes. You don't, don't know, know everything. Know. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that's humble what, yourself. That's what Claire I think started with. About yes. Learning. Yes. Humbling um, yourself. I mean, it's a burden to learn. It's a, there's who, who, who is the burden on to learn? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I feel like right. there is this expectation that people of color. So I really appreciated that that she said that, mm-hmm. or maybe I was just absorbing that from her of how much learning she has committed herself to doing. That is an act of anti-racism from a black person or a white person. Um, cause well, I, she, I love her support cause she's always, you know, maybe it's selfish, but like she's always said, believe black women. And a lot of, you know, when you start a conversation with anyone who's saying believe black women, yes. Okay. Like why has it taken so much? She's not saying not to believe black men. Let's be, let's clear that up. She's not saying that. (laughs) No, I mean, it's just just when, again, when we're looking at this totem pole of the least of these. Okay. So for many reasons, which we could go into in historic, historical society of why black women are at the bottom of the totem pole, we should be believing black women and what they're saying. And, and validating what they're saying and saying, you know, don't talk them out of what they're saying. saying. Yes. Just listen, you know, and that's what we talked about. The whole, that's why the whole I'm speaking moment from Kamala was so in the mean and everybody so hooked to that because they realized people are not hearing them. Mm -hmm. People are not taking time to hear them because they've been taught to quite frankly, do value. Mm-hmm. what that person is saying yes. because of what they look like and yep. because of their gender. Yeah. And unfortunately, or I should say their sex. Sorry. I can't speak for all black women. I feel like there have been so many courageous black women that have paved the way for, for us that have spoken up, but there, yeah. but I have sometimes ascribed to accommodating everyone else and they're Guilty. part of the discussion and feeling sensitive to their needs in the discussion before my own, you know, feeling where, where is it that I, where did I learn to try to protect the white people in the room? I wonder where you learned that. Where, you know, why, what, why was I 
sensitive to that for a long time. It struck me doing your and Claire's conversation about how much work she has been doing to unravel and mm-hmm. and learn and unlearn mm-hmm. and how we uh, we have asked people of color to do that. We have right. said, okay, you are written out of laws, you are written out of places, you cannot get you cannot get married to outside of your race. You can't go to these schools, you can't do any of this. Oh, but now those laws have changed, so catch up. We have asked us to people of color to catch up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years after this has been ingrained in our society, we ask them to do the work to unravel. Oh, now you're empowered. Now you're this, now you're that, which and show grace and show grace and show forgiveness and all this. That's what we ask of people of color. Catch up. No one is asking people, white people to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> unravel, dissect, catch up. Mm-hmm. So that is my message. Catch up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I mean, and that's a lot of, you know, what be the bridge is. There's a lot of, of my black friends who are like, I don't have time to cater to white people and help them to catch up, No, you know, and I respect that. And I completely understand that. And I think, you know, a lot of times the folks that are coming into these conversations at the be the bridge are in churches that, you know, maybe they're on the staff of a majority white staff at a church or, you know, they're at these multiracial churches or they're also at the, um, they're, they're actually in, um, families that have transracial adoption happening and, you know, are coming to understand things for the first time and, and needing help and guidance in the conversation. And so, um, it's, it's, it's place to start, but there's tons of other resources. We've talked about other resources on other podcasts and, on um, other podcast episodes rather. And so, you know, check out our blog at mixed life ATL. We have tons of, of, you know, books, suggestions and websites and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, again, really appreciate Claire, uh, yes, being part of this and, Claire. and I appreciate, um, mixed dish as well for, you know, giving us an avenue to, to continue the conversation from our yeah. perspective and our point of view. Smack dab in the middle of popular culture on network television, ABC. <laughs> Mixed Life ATL is recorded in Atlanta, Georgia and produced by SDB360 LLC. We can be heard on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever mainstream podcasts can be found. For information on how to advertise your business on this podcast, please message us at mixlifeatl.com.